0: I turn your attention to 1st Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 10. 1st Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 10. I want to speak this morning on the subject the gift of gratitude, the gift of gratitude. Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, "Blessed be thou, Lord, God of Israel, our father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine, it all belongs to him. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might And in thine hand, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Now, therefore, our God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. The gift of gratitude. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. I believe that the most valuable gift that you can give as we approach this season of gift giving, we think about the great gifts that God has given us. Certainly the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, changed everything. And the gifts that God give are, the Bible says, every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And we know that the Bible says in the New Testament, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance, meaning that he's not someone who's going to give and then take it back. He gives you a purpose, a destiny, and a call. And even though you and I may struggle finding that path, uh, God is a God that is consistent in his love for us and in his desire for us to follow that path. But I believe that the most valuable gift that you can give is gratitude. It's more valuable than uh, prosperity. It's more valuable than power. It's more valuable than popularity. And I believe with all of my heart that the gift of gratitude to God opens up the windows of heaven. It is the single most important thing that you can give God. If you're looking for the perfect gift to give to God, who has everything, owns the cattle of a thousand hills, uh, he owes all the gold and the silver and all the mines, he, the stars, the galaxies, everything that is priceless around us, he's the owner of it all, he's the creator of it all. So if you're wondering what is the perfect gift, to give to the one that has it all, God. It's the gift of gratitude. When we were in Madagascar a few weeks ago, I want to make sure that I preach about Madagascar after Sister Lisa tomorrow wrote that beautiful song <laughs> for the anniversary weekend, and uh, I, I think it'll be a top ten hit. Um, <laughs> it was so. It was so neat, and and it was so. Uh, just clever, and it, it was it was awesome. But um, she talks about me speaking about Madagascar and going to Madagascar in the fall. It's a it's a place I was thankful we were able to take uh, some twenty twenty five people from our church with us this year. And and uh, brother Mark got the Holy Ghost while we were in Madagascar, and you guys celebrated that last week. Oh, I wanted to be here so bad for that. I was able to watch it online, but we had committed to. Be uh, in a leadership teach a leadership summit for one of the churches in Louisiana that is a sponsor of our winds conference and um, we'd committed to that almost a year ago so we weren't able to be but I was able to watch it and oh what a celebration we had but when we were in Madagascar there was this this one particular service um, where the the, the sincere uh, worship of thousands of people assembled together it just caused us to. Uh, be in awe of, of how strong the presence of God was uh, in that stadium. They, they may have a clip of it, but they were singing this song called The Blessing. Do you know that song, The Blessing? Oh, Amen. Oh, Amen.
1: They're
0: singing in Malagasy, but I'll tell you what they're saying. Yeah. Oh. They keep on singing and the words that they're singing is so powerful. It's the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you in the morning, in the evening, in your coming and your going, in your weeping and rejoicing. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. And as they begin to sing, the presence of God came in so strong. And I just want to say that that entire crusade of over 20,000 people in that stadium with uh, I think it was 2,731 people that we know of that we got cards on that received the Holy Ghost. All of that was fully funded by East Wind Church and your giving to go that Brother Tyler talked to you about last week. So I just want to say, uh, as you're contemplating uh, your commitment for next year, uh, what we want to do individually and collectively as a church and our monthly giving to go, I just want you to know that it is translating into thousands of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. The week before that, we were in South Africa, and 308 received the Holy Ghost under a tent and a, an outpouring of not just the Holy Ghost, but of actual rain that was so strong, it came through the tent. We had to keep moving the chairs around to keep from getting wet. But in just those 10 days, we saw over 3,000 people receive the Holy Ghost. It was a day of Pentecost experience. None of that would happen without your giving to go. And so we thank you for that as you're uh, entering that time of prayer and dedication as to what your part will be in that for year 2024. But when we were in that atmosphere and they were singing that song, the presence of God came in there so strong that uh, it literally just pushed us to our knees. And um, I I remember uh, turning around and and seeing Brother uh, Dylan Morgan uh, just uh, on his knees and he, he described it afterwards that it was the weight, and I, and I love this expression, the weight of his glory. And the Bible says that. It talks about the weight of his glory, referring to the Lord, and just the, the presence of God. What a privileged people we are to be able to be in the presence of God, to sit in heavenly places. I think about all the Sundays and the midweek services and the evening service when we come together in this auditorium and we feel the presence of God. And, and I think about how the presence of God is the cure for the ills of society. It is what this world is hungry for. And you and I have the privilege of being in the presence of God day in and day out. Oh, God has been good to us. But in, in trying to understand the significance of this moment, uh, even afterwards, as we were talking about this, uh, this, this palpable move of the presence of God and trying to understand it, we realize that the presence of God uh, is so strong in response to the gratitude of the people because gratitude begins and ends with God. When we enter into that realm, when it's just pure, unadulterated gratitude for the great God that we serve. I believe with all of my heart and I have seen it with my eyes. We become immersed in the presence of God. And so because it is so powerful that it moves God to the place of literally coming into our habitation and us being in communion with him because it is so strong. The enemy does everything to try to fight it. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden because the Lord would come down and commune with Adam and Eve in the garden. Can you imagine how strong that presence of God was? And so we just have a little taste of it and even what we experienced in Madagascar, what we experience here on a regular basis. But can you imagine what it was like in the Garden of Eden? And so the enemy uh, came in and tried to uh, disrupt that with sin. And so even today, here we are all these thousands of years later and, and we know what it is to be in the presence of God. And we know what it is to have that spirit of gratitude and appreciation. But the enemy will try to destroy. The enemy will try to just load you up with so many cares from your job and holidays and family and, and the pressures of getting the uh, you know the gifts bought and all that happens with the holiday period. If we're not careful, we will lose the significance of the moment and we'll just get so caught up with all of it. I believe it's a trick of the enemy. But oh, you let a church come together and say, we're gonna enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into
2: his courts with praise. I'm gonna get up every day and be grateful because God, you've been good. I know I got problems. I know my health isn't what it should be. I know there's circumstances with my finances, but I'm still gonna give him praise because he's a great God and he's worthy of the praises of his people. And
0: I believe with all of my heart that gratitude in the face of disappointment, is even more powerful. In the verses that we read in our text, David wanted to build a beautiful, most beautiful house, temple, synagogue, church, whatever word you want to put on it, palace, the Bible describes it in this uh, verses that we read here in this text. He wanted to build this to bring glory to God. I don't believe it was... To honor himself. I believe it was to honor God. And the Lord said, Your hands are bloody from war. And when David got that message, I'm sure he was disappointed. And I'm sure he could have justified it and said, Well, they're bloody from war because, you know, I was battling the enemies of God's people. And, and, you know, they're bloody from war because somebody had to fight the giant and, and, you know, I was dealing with Saul. I mean, he could have justified it. Or or he could have said, Fine, that's fine. You don't want me to do it. I won't do it. Then let's see if the next generation can do it without me. But he didn't do any of those things, which would have all been a part of the way the human nature reacts, but he does not He prepares for the next generation to build the temple. And it was, it was out of a heart of gratitude. David knew that all of his blessings had come from God. And even though he was a human and his mistakes are well documented, it was this heart of gratitude that I believe caused David to be described as no other person in the Bible as a man after God's own heart because it was a heart of gratitude. We start from the very first verse in this uh, text that we read in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. I think it's so powerful. I want to work our way through these scriptures in the time that I have with you this morning. It says, Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender and the work is great for the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. He's describing this temple that's going to be built as a palace. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God, the gold for things to be made of gold and the silver for things of silver and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron and wood For things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, glistening stones and of diverse colors and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. He didn't say, we don't just have one or two rocks hanging around here. I have prepared. I've gone everywhere. He was the most powerful king of the most powerful kingdom of that time. And David had the means and he gathered all of it together. The Lord had said, you're not going to build it, but that did not
2: change his heart from desiring to show gratitude to God. If I can't build it, I'm going to gather everything together and I'm going to make sure the next
0: generation can build it. And then verse three, he says something that's so powerful. Moreover, because I have set my affection. That's the first word I want to emphasize today as it relates to the gift of gratitude is affection. He said, I have set my affection to the house of my God. I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver which I've given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. In other words, all this stuff that he'd gathered that he just mentioned in verses one and two, he said, now beyond that, I've got another offering that I want to give and it's going to be because I want to prepare for the house of God.
2: I, I, I have set my affection. Affection is such a powerful part of gratitude. There's something
0: about affection that'll cause you to do things you never thought you would do. My my kids and I have been amazed and we've had conversations about it over the last few weeks, traveling, being in airports and airplanes and all. We've been amazed to see how people are so dedicated to their pets, especially their dogs. They literally are family. And many times, uh, pets are so loved that guests have a hard time understanding this level of care and devotion. You know, you see someone and you see the, their reaction and the way they take care of their, their dog and all, and you just you, you, you may admire it, you may not, but you don't have that level of affection for that pet as that person does. And so sometimes it's a little humorous, it's a, it's a little curious. My, my family, we always, I grew up thinking that I lived in a kennel because we, my sister has the biggest heart of any person I know. She will adopt every stray animal uh, on the face of the earth, and so we grew up with uh, we we had a pet dog. We had cats, dogs, uh, goldfish, turtles, uh, any anything that was wandering the streets. We would take it in, and and it wasn't because we were wealthy. It was just because we just had a heart. And and so I grew up uh, being a pet lover. We had all these uh, these animals around us, and when we were young, after we had moved here to uh, Melbourne, Palm Bay area. Uh, my dad had, was working in the stucco trade. He came home one day with this dog, and um, his. Uh, we named him Peppy, and he was a very curious-looking dog. He had a little body like a Dachshund, but his head was like a German Shepherd. And my mother said it was a Corgi, and she said the Queen of uh, England has Corgi dogs, and so I now have a Corgi. And so she, even if you ask her to this day, she will tell you that he's a Corgi. Now I have no idea why a Corgi would just be wandering around a job site, but nonetheless. She's convinced and convinced all of us that we had a Corgi and that we were royalty. So we had this little dog and she had convinced Peppy that he was royalty. And so uh, we would go through uh, Wendy's uh, drive-thru and we would go through and get uh, hamburger just for Pepe. Uh, special kind of meat, we didn't know this at the time. I don't know if they still do it, so don't go out and try it. But it used to be the meat that they had, they overcooked or wasn't right for the hamburgers, they'd put in the chili. And you could go and get it for your pet and so, uh, Pepe was so devoted uh, to my mother and to all the family, but maybe not to me, but for, from almost all the family. He was so devoted and so affectionate. And and my mom became so very, very close and attached uh, to Pepe that after uh, Pepe uh, passed away, they didn't have a pet for many, many years. And a few years ago, I decided it was time for my, my parents to have another pet. And so at Christmas time, I bought them a... Um, a little, uh, black lab. Oh, he was so cute. We named him Zorro and he had like a champion granddad and a champion mom and all kinds of champions in his bloodline. And, uh, and, and, and we got, he was a little bitty puppy and I gave him to my parents and all that. And I remember my dad would come to church and he would lift up uh, his hands to worship the Lord and his sleeves would all, his hands were all filled with band-aids. Like he'd been in a fight with Edward scissor hands or something. I know it was just all band-aids like that. He'd all, and I'd say, Dad, what's the matter? He'd say, Zorro. <laughs> Zorro. And uh, so finally, I didn't hear about Zorro anymore. And, uh, and so uh, I wondered one day, I asked, I said, what happened to Zorro? Well, come to find out, my parents, without telling me, had given him to the Klinglers. And they said, well, you know, they know they're, they work with dogs and they do all that championship stuff, running and medals and jumping through hoops and all that. So we gave them, they'll know where to get it. He'll have a good home. He'll be fine. And I said, I paid good money for that dog. My dad said, for your next birthday, I'm going to buy you a horse. <laughs> so... Uh, Zorro, he went to somebody's home. The Klinglers knew somebody they gave him, and he ended up becoming a champion because, you know, it was in his bloodline. And uh, so I didn't think my parents would ever have another dog, but uh, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago, again, my sister still rescuing every pet in town, found out about this little dog by the name of Buddy, and he had been mistreated, and family had moved, and kids had tortured him. Anyhow, he was was in bad shape, and uh, she took him in, and um, she was giving him a good place to live, and And my sister and brother-in-law were taking good care of him and all. And uh, Buddy became very attached to them, but Buddy really does not like anybody else. And uh, so they had to go out of town. My mom and dad took care of the dog. Anyways, in the process of them taking care of my sister's dog, Buddy, my mom became very attached to the dog to the point that when my sister was ready to take the dog back, it did not go back to Denise and John. It stayed with my mom and dad. And my mom and dad still have Buddy right now today. Uh, you've probably seen Buddy around town. He rides in a baby carriage at the mall. He sits at the booth with them in restaurants. And Buddy has bit Brother Richie twice. How can you bite Brother Richie, the nicest person I know on the planet? And it took Buddy for it took Buddy a while, but he finally got to the point where where he you know tolerates me or likes me, and. Um, and he uh, is, uh, he's a very unique dog. So on Thanksgiving, a couple of days ago, my mom was telling everybody about how, that my parents were with Buddy in some restaurant in town and they uh, were there eating and, and, and Buddy was sitting there on the booth and, and a big legitimate service dog, like a German Shepherd of some sort, came into the restaurant and Buddy jumped down off of the booth and raced down the aisle of the restaurant and tried to attack this, this big German Shepherd. And instead of my mom saying, oh, I was so embarrassed and I I scolded Buddy and I got on to him, as she's telling this story, and I'm not even really, because I already knew about it. I was was watching football, so I was kind of half listening to the conversation going on in the kitchen. But I I noticed this about my mom. As she's telling the story, she said, you know, Buddy, this dog, I don't even know what kind of dog he is, but he's little like this. And she said she was so proud of Buddy for doing this.
2: She said, he was fearless. He jumped off the booth and ran down there and tried to take out a German shepherd. He was amazing. He was fearless. She was like proud of the dog. <laughs> and I, I
0: began to think about it because prior to that, my, my kids and I had had this great conversation about people and their pets because of what we had seen over the holidays and coming back from Africa and all that. So we were laughing about how people love their pets so much. And I was trying to figure out, you know, why people love their pets so much. And of course, you know, we, we can tease and laugh about other people's devotion to their pets. But I'm telling you what, I'm as bad as my mom is. We've got this little dog now, Bear, that we've had for two years. And uh, he's like a golden doodle of some sort, F1B. I don't know. He's got more numbers. He's got his own social security number, I think. And uh, this dog, I mean, we're so attached to this dog. And so, uh, in fact, here's, a, here's a, a video of him helping me open my 60th birthday cards. This card actually talks to you. You'm not sure about that.
2: Who is that, Bear? Who is that? Who is that in that card?
0: See, that means more to me than it does y'all, because it's my dog. I mean, there's wonder, and there's you're
1: wonderful. You're of oh. Your wonderful. Who is that, Bear?
0: We could spend the rest of the day just showing videos of bear. But, and so I'm like, okay, so I'm, this, I'm as guilty as everybody else is about being attached to our pets. And, and so my mind, the way it works is I try to figure things out. So I'm like, why is it that we are so drawn and attached and, and, and will fight for our pets to the point where uh, it, it's, it, it's almost humorous to others? And I've come to this conclusion that we are this way because how affectionate these dogs are with us. They are so affectionate. They, they, they don't care how much money you make. They, they sit and wait all day long for you to get home. Uh, I, I tried to take a picture the day of Bear literally uh, just looking. He literally just watches the front door for hours, hoping that my wife will come through the door. He just stares and just looks at it. And when he does, and when she comes through the door, he is so excited, jumps around, he's so happy just to be in the presence. There's so much affection.
2: And when something, even if it's not a human being, but when some entity shows you that much affection, you can't help but love it. It don't matter if the dog is ugly. It don't matter if the dog is dumb. It doesn't matter if the dog can't hold his bowels.
0: We'll wander around and clean up after it. We'll do whatever we have to do to make sure that dog has a comfortable existence. Why? For one single solitary reason. They are affectionate. They
2: love unconditionally.
0: Now, we could get into a whole discussion about whether they love because you're the one that's providing food for them and, you know, is it need-based love and all of that. But even if you don't bring a treat, they still love you. This dog that we have, Barry, he'll, he'll sit right there, put his head on your feet and, and just almost devoted. And I got to thinking about how that must be with God because if we could just show devotion, Lord, I'm going to love you Even if I'm in a bad time, even if I don't feel like you've given me the gifts that I deserve, even if I'm going through a time of disappointment like David was, I'm going to still set my affection on the house of God and the things of God. I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe it with all of my heart. God cannot refuse a human being that shows him affection. Even if you've made mistakes, even if you have sinned, God will draw close to somebody somewhere that will say, Lord, I love you. I just want to show my affection. I just want to show my appreciation. I want to just bless the Lord. If we get concerned about the things of God, this is why David was affectionate about the house of God. He was affectionate about everything that related to God. He was affectionate about the ark because it represented the presence of God. He was affectionate about the victory on the battlefield because
2: it represented the reputation of God. God among non-believers. He was affectionate about the people of God because it represented God's promises. Everything that had to do with God, David was affectionate about it. And it was more than just his words. It was affection to the point that he was extravagant about God. Now we, we can get our arms
0: around affectionate, But I'm just wondering and I'm just going to challenge you with what I feel in my heart today. What would happen to a group of people
2: that not only were affectionate about God but were extravagant about God?
0: And I think that there's just a taste of that in what we see in Madagascar. It's not just affection. It's extravagant affection. This is why Uh, For me, at least, we we were so moved during this 25th anniversary. It just touched our hearts so much because it was done with heart. It, it, It wasn't just appreciation. It was affection that was extravagant. And here's what I know about affection. When you are in love, you show affection by being extravagant. You will buy things that you cannot afford. for the one that you love. I remember when I was dating Sister Amy, we were uh, getting close to uh, uh, proposing. She didn't know that, she didn't think the day would ever come. <laughs> but but I, was, I, I was getting close and I, I knew that she liked purses and so I decided to go into one of these nice purse stores I'm going to tell you what. I went in that nice purse store and I said, I don't care what it costs. I'm going to buy it. I think it was Coach. I think it was a Coach purse store. And I walked in there and, and I walked around and I tried to find one I thought she would like. And, and I didn't even look at the price tag. I didn't even care about the price tag. I went up to the cash for it. I was going to be extravagant about it. I didn't care. And they got up there and they told me how much it cost. And I said, I'll be back in a few days. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't even venture back in there until after we were married and had kids and my wife, she would save her money all year she loves purses and she would save her money all year and then we'd go to a nice store and try to, try to get a, a nice purse and she would have gift cards, and she'd have cash w- w- rolled up in newspaper and Ziploc bags and <laughs> gift cards and all that. We went to one of these nice purse stores, and boy, they were really putting on the dog. I mean, they had brought out you know Diet Cokes and waters for the kids, and me and the boys, I don't think Sophia was born yet, and me and the boys were sitting up at this little table and all that, and they brought it, and they had gloves, and they were unwrapping these purses and all that, and and, uh, my, my wife and I, when people see my wife and I together, they look at both of us and they say, why is she with him? He must have money. That's the only way they can put any reason on it. And so this lady, she's just assumed that I would be the one buying it. So my wife finally figured out the purse that she wanted. And I think it was around Christmas time. And, uh, so we said, okay. And we got ready to, uh, to buy it. And then my wife unloaded all of this Ziploc bags and gift cards and $1 bills and all that. And this lady, I could tell as she was sorting through all of this, she was looking at me with such disgust. I could feel it. She thought this would just be a, a, a simple, uh, you know, transaction. And so I felt obligated then at some point. And I said, well, you know, honey, that's the purse, but But what about the wallet? You know, don't you want the wallet? Let me buy the wallet. I can at least buy the wallet. It's Christmas time. And then the lady was happy again. And all the stuff came out and boxes came out and white gloves and all this came back out. And so we decided on the wallet. And so Amy was paying for the purse with all of her earnings for the whole year. and, And I was getting my credit card and I had no idea what just the wallet cost. And so the number came up on the screen, and I said to the lady,
2: oh, no, I'm not buying the purse, just the wallet. <laughs> now the disgust returned. She said, that is the wallet, sir. I was like, oh, well, we'll take three of them
0: then. I don't <laughs> It was obvious i did not belong in that environment i was like Shamu at disney world it was not my natural habitat (laughs) but when you're really affectionate look at look at verse four you buy things you can't afford even three thousand talents of gold and the gold of offered and seven thousand talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the houses with all the gold for things of gold and the silver for things of silver and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers and who then is willing to consecrate his service remember that word we'll come back to it this day under the Lord then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron and they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure they people went to their houses and got their precious stones and of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite all of that was because there was something
2: that came into the heart of the people that said it doesn't matter what it is it doesn't matter how precious it is we are so thankful for what God has done for us we want to be extravagant in our affection oh my friend when you get extravagant and you say I'm going to bless the Lord anyhow I've had a bad week but I I'm gonna be extravagant with my praise. I'm gonna be extravagant in my service. I'm gonna be extravagant in my affection. Everything that I've got came from God. He can take it all tomorrow. Bless the Lord, oh my. Woo! hallelujah. Oh, I feel the presence of God just talking about it.
0: Service not just affectionate service because gratitude, I think has different elements to it. So we have to unpack it. Service is another part of gratitude. You, know, you always know who's grateful by their acts of service. But let me tell you something about serving. It brings joy. When you are grateful, you want to serve. You want to give. When you're grateful for how hard your husband is working to try and give the family a nice Christmas, you're grateful. You want to make him a nice meal You know what his favorite meal is. You know what his favorite dessert is. And you'll work hard to serve him what you know he likes. It doesn't matter how long it takes you. It's a joy to do it. I'm not getting too many amens right now from the ladies that are in East Wind. Don't make me bring the gator back out. (laughs) Service. Then the people rejoiced, verse nine, for that they offered willingly, because with perfect heart, with perfect heart, with perfect heart. What is a perfect heart? It's a heart full of gratitude. It's not perfect because we've never made a mistake. It's not perfect because we're righteous people. We were born, come out of the womb, righteous speaking in tongues. None of that applies to any human being. We're all dealing with the frailties of the flesh. We're all
2: walking in shoe leather, trying to figure out a way how to navigate this thing called life but a perfect heart is a heart that says, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I worship you even though I'm dealing with sickness. I worship you even though I'm dealing with crisis. I worship you though I'm dealing with disappointment and loss. I got a heart that is affectionate toward God.
0: They offered willingly to the Lord. And David the king also rejoiced with great joy. There's something about the demonstration of gratitude that's contagious. I'm gonna tell you something right now. I'll just tell you this for free. These are the kind of people you wanna be around. Not the people that are always complaining and all that. We got people, we got both. We got people that are grateful and we got people that are always complaining in this church. There's both. The people that are always complaining, I'm pastor of everybody so I'm nice to them, but I don't spend a lot of time with them. I'll be honest with you. I just say, God bless you, and then I keep moving. (laughs) But people that are grateful, I just want to hang out with them. I want to just be around them because there's something about a spirit of appreciation that
2: you can be having a bad day. You can be feeling gloomy and and, and discouraged about whatever. But you get around somebody to say, oh, God has been so good. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? We did. We ate too much, but there was so much food. What a good God. We had family. We just got to It doesn't mean everything's perfect in their world. I don't care what they put on Facebook. Nobody's living in a perfect world. But that doesn't mean I can't have a perfect heart. He doesn't mean I can't have a heart full of gratitude, full of appreciation. You've been too good to me, God. I don't have, I don't have the right to, to grumble and complain about anything.
0: And so if we really feel that, then it'll be more than just words, it'll be acts of service. In fact, they tell us that acts of service are one of the five love languages. The Bible says, no greater love hath this. You remember we said at the beginning, gratitude is so special to God because it is from him. He's the beginning and the end of gratitude. No greater love hath this than a man lay down his life for his friends. You talk about acts of service. Jesus is the author of gratitude. It was his willingness. He wasn't forced to go to a a cross. The Bible even talks about he could have called thousand angels down. He freely gave his life. And that single act, ladies and gentlemen, it changed all of humanity. And it's still changing us even to this day more than two thousand years later. Acts of service. You can always tell who's really grateful because service is not a struggle for them. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship with your spouse or your kids or if it's being involved in volunteering at your church, it, it doesn't matter what the, the object of that affection is or what the recipient of that affection is. It will just naturally be displayed in service. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't, it, it, there's joy in it. I, I, I looked around, and I apologize to keep using Madagascar, but it's Sister Lisa's fault. She wrote that song and so But, you know, the the missionary said, well, this is the first time I've even been here. All of that was done by all those people in Madagascar. The banners, the speakers, the, 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 uh, I I told him, I said, I didn't know you guys had brought in flight attendants. They had literally all of these ladies that were ushers and they all had on these like red suits and red hats and they all lined up in the stadium and they're all lined up in each row. And that meant you weren't to sit over there. You were to sit in the middle. And then as the middle filled up, they would move over. And I thought, what a gracious way to do that. I'm going to do that on Wednesday nights here. We're going to have flight attendants that are just all down and you have to sit in the middle. But what a gracious way. I mean, everything was done. It was just so per- And these are people that work all, they
2: work an entire month for the equivalent of $100. And everything is done with such excellence. It's because of the affection. We're so thankful for what God has done for us. Oh, I just felt it. Maybe I'm just
0: preaching this to myself. Lord, I want to have a heart like David and just say, Lord, I want to set my affection on the house of God. It's not a hardship for me. If I if I see a
2: wrapper on the floor, I'm going to stop and pick it up. Why? Because this is the house of God. I'm not going to treat the house of God like I would some hotel room. No, this is where God abides. This is his house. We want the carpet to look right. We want the platform to look right. We want the best lights. We want everything to be the best that it can be because it's God's house.
0: I thought we had a really great church until I went over there last week and preached for my buddy Woodlawn over there in, in uh, Columbia, Mississippi. And they got a screen that's bigger than that, and it's all LED. And I looked at it and said, I want that. We need that at Eastwind. And then he told me how much it cost. And I said, no, we don't need it that bad. <laughs> but later I, I thought about the story I remember hearing when I was just a boy, my dad's favorite preacher was a fellow by the name of George L Glass senior and he would preach for 2 hours so you guys are really lucky we only go like a minute 58 at the most hour 58 <laughs> just 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 teasing but my dad told me and i remember as a kid us driving down to miami to hear brother uh, george l glass senior i was just a small boy i was maybe 8 years old and sure enough he preached for 2 hours and and I can remember even as a little boy just sitting on the edge of my pew the whole time. He was just such a gifted speaker and very slow. He's Louisiana, He's very deliberate and talking very slow. And I remember uh, when we went down to Miami to hear him preach that he told a story when he was just asking God why, why God had been so good to him. He said, you know, you've allowed me to preach in conferences and camps and I'm just a barefooted kid out of southern Louisiana, and I don't, I don't deserve any of this, Lord. And he said, I was just praying one day, and I was asking God, why have you blessed me so much? David, you, you'll read it. David had experiences, he he writes about it. And you, you've been so good to me, Lord. You delivered me, you brought me from the sheep coat. He talks about it, David does. And, and I didn't deserve any of this. And, and Brother Glass said, I, I remember as a boy hearing him preach, and he said, I, I was asking God why why have you blessed me so much? And he said, the Lord brought to my remembrance a time when I was about 12, 13 years old. And he said, uh, we were in revival. And he said, I got to the church. And he said, there were some visitors there and they couldn't get in because the doors were locked. And the person that had the key that was supposed to open to us late. And the visitor said they were gonna leave because they couldn't get into the church. And he said, I told him, if you'll just wait a minute, I know the assistant pastor has got the key. I will run down. He said, I didn't have a car, I didn't have a bike, I didn't have nothing. He said, I'll run down and get the key and come back. And they said, how long will it take you? He said, I'll run as hard as I can all the way there and all the way back. And they said, okay, we'll wait. And he said, I turned and I ran as hard as I could down that dirt trail. And I ran all the way to the assistant pastor's house. And he said, I knocked on the door and said, there's visitors
2: and there's no way to get in the church. They're gonna leave. We've got to
0: open the door. We've got visitors for the revival tonight. And the assistant pastor got me the key and he said, I ran all the way back. And he said, I ran back and he said, I I got there and those visitors were still there. And he said, I was able to use that key and open the door and they came in to the church. And he said, The Lord reminded me of that. And he said, Because as a boy, you cared about my house and you cared about souls. He said, I marked you when you were just a lad and said, I'll use him for my kingdom. That's what happened with David. He marked him as just a boy. Because he had a heart for the things of God. Oh, my friend, if something could come into us where we could divorce ourselves from culture, that's all about what can you do for me, what can you do for me? If we could somehow divorce ourselves from that mentality and get this heart like David and say, oh, I was glad when they said it to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's not a struggle for me to go to church. I want to go
2: to church. It's not a struggle to come and work. It's not a struggle to sacrifice. It's not a struggle. If I've got to clean bathrooms, it doesn't matter. I want the house of God to be the best thing. I want the house of God to be the most beautiful building in all of Palm Bay.
0: Let me move quickly. Verse 13, now therefore, O God, we thank thee and praise thy glorious name. But who am I? And what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. For we are strangers before thee and sojourners, as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. All of us are going to go eventually. But you'll be here from the beginning to the end. The third thing that I close with is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is gratitude expressed. You may be thankful, but unless it is expressed, it's not gratitude. Gratitude has to be expressed. Jesus healed the 10 lepers, and they were probably all thankful, but only one returned to say, thank you. And Jesus took note of it and said, where are the nine? You can't just think thanksgiving. You have to express it. When we were in South Africa, they were so thankful. They'd never had any kind of a crusade where they had more than 20 people get the Holy Ghost in that Durban area. And here we had seen over three hundred people receive the Holy Ghost, and they wanted to express their appreciation. And so everybody on our team, they they just they made these bags, had our names put on them, and had them all full of different gifts, little thermos things to drink out of with our names on them. They put everything they could in there to remind us about South Africa, and little keychains and medals and. All kinds of little goodies, and here's something else. It's got South Africa on it. And all of us, there's pictures I'm sure you've seen on social media. All of us on our team, we're all standing on the platform like this with our little bag. And I looked at all of that, and I realized, you know what this is? It's expressed gratitude. It's expressed gratitude. And it's not something that, that you're unaware of, because you guys live this as well, as we just saw a week or two ago, but I don't know how to say this other than just to share my heart with you this morning, that if you could have a culture of gratitude that's a part of your everyday life where you start off every day by saying, Lord, I want to start off today before I check my email, before I check Facebook, before I check my text messages, before I watch the morning news. I want to start off every day by just saying, Lord, I give you thanks. I just want to thank you, Lord. You don't, you don't look for a perfect season to do that because you'll never find one. In fact, when you're going through the most, give him the most praise during that time. And I'm going to tell you right now, your whole life will change. It will turn around. You're going to find joy that you never thought you could have. It's contagious too. I mean, it'll flow out from you into your family and it'll flow out into your neighbors. There's something about it. When you have a heart of gratitude that says, God, I want to be extravagant in my love toward you. I want to be extravagant in my expression of appreciation toward you. And when you do that, I'm here to tell you something will happen that will change your life. Would you stand to your feet? David said to all the congregation, now bless the Lord your God and all the congregation blessed the Lord. God their fathers bowed down their heads and worshiped the Lord and the King. And they sacrificed sacrifices unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings unto the Lord. On the morrow after that day, even a thousand bullocks, a thousand rams, a thousand lambs, with their drink offerings and sacrifices in abundance for all Israel. And they did eat and drink before the Lord. This is the original Thanksgiving. It's not the pilgrims. It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And did eat and drink before the Lord on that day with great gladness. And this I just love. I never had seen it before. And they made Solomon, the son of David, king the second time.
2: They'd already made him king.
0: But they said, We love God so much. We're so thankful. We're going to make him king all over again. We're going to do it the second time. You know why they did that? Because of their gratitude for God and their thanksgiving for David, his father. They were still getting to know Solomon, they didn't really know him that well. But they were so thankful for the blessings of God. They wanted to show their gratitude by making Solomon king again. Oh, my friend, there's something special about gratitude. It's not a one-time thing. You love the Lord so much, uh,
2: you want to make him king of your heart again and again and again. And every day, Lord, I want you to sit on the throne of my heart. You know that I love you, but I just want you to be king of my heart. I want you to have first place in all of my affections.
0: You want to worship him again. You want to love him again. You want to obey his word again. You want to sacrifice again, can I tell you? Every offering, every sacrifice, every expression of appreciation, every perfect heart of gratitude, it has not been in vain, my friend. Uh, God has taken special note of it all,
2: and God's blessings is going to continue to flow to a people that say, Lord, uh, I want to make you king all over again. Uh, I know you filled me with the Holy Ghost years ago. Uh, I know you've blessed me, but God, today,
0: will you be king of my heart one more time? That's how you feel. Why don't you step out of where you're standing and come down to this altar? Let's take a moment this morning and just say, Lord, I want to make you king all over again. I want to offer my gratitude one more time. I want to express my appreciation one more time. That's it. There's something powerful about doing it together, collectively. Collectively. Courtship that's based on love oftentimes will culminate in marriage. And in a marriage, two parties come together under one name. You take on the name of Jesus when you're baptized in Jesus' name. People are being prepared even this very moment to be baptized in Jesus' name, though. Put the video up on the screen, you'll be able to see it. But if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, I just felt led to say this today. In the wake of all the people getting baptized this weekend and the prison last night and today, when you take on His name, you do it in baptism. You want to couple their courtship of affection and love and gratitude and appreciation and all that goes into man and woman coming together. It, culminates in a marriage and a coming together under one name I feel like in baptism we come together as one under the banner of the name of Jesus that's why being baptized in his name is so important if you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus we invite you to be baptized this morning in the name of Jesus, take on his name be one with him He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Oh, let's praise you one more time. Would you lift your voice? Lord, we give you praise. We offer our thanks unto you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence, God. God bless you. You're dismissed this morning. In Jesus' name, we love you and God loves you.